Let's pray. Lord God, we do again ask you to help us to take in your word, Lord, to not only hear it, but Lord, apply it uh, to our hearts, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, that you bring it back to us, Lord, during during the week, Lord. This is uh, what it's all about, your, your words abiding in you and, and letting, having your words abide in us, Lord. And we just ask you to bless your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's nothing wrong with being poor in spirit while living in this world. There are many reasons uh, that people are that way. And Jesus himself, of course, uh, as Alia read, was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When I consider poor in spirit, what, what I consider uh, poor in spirit in the natural, I see it as feeling down, feeling down and even depressed. And, and that comes from different sources, of course. Um, they, those things come from not being, being able to have what you want to have. Um, they come from chemical imbalances in our bodies. They come from illnesses and from anxiety. And all can lead to despair from a sense of hopelessness if we're not careful to give it all back to God. We want to have hope. We want to be optimistic about the world that we live in, but sometimes things are such with our health and with our relationships and, and other things that we just can't be optimistic. And we also want to trust the goodness of other people, but over and over we're often disappointed by others. People generally look out for themselves first. And as November uh, has arrived with the less hours of, of sunshine and daylight, I've once again started in my own uh, cycle of seasonal depression. The sun goes down around the time uh, we eat supper and course today it gets worse it goes down an hour before we eat supper um, and then I have that whole evening to to consider my problems usually and I do pray but I'm so much more energetic praying and reading the Bible in the morning than I am at night and of course with my job I'm I'm spending an awful lot of time all day long in in God's Word which is good but in the evenings this is always when I have my trouble And, and sometimes I, I can't pray in, in the evenings. And if you turn on the TV or try to escape uh, those thoughts, um, it usually gets worse with the bad news on TV or the different depression show, depressing shows that are on. So it's, it's hard. Um, it's very easy to, to despair of this world. And not just personally, we realize the need of deliverance for everyone in this world if we are Christians. Um, but every, the majority of people are hopeless, and, and even those who are deceived and still have hope in themselves or hope in other people, we realize their need as well. Because deception and hopelessness are all around, it's easy for a Christian to be poor in spirit, to be down in this world. Look at the number of people that are 
are suffering and are on their way to hell. Look at the, the suffering from illnesses and relational difficulties and, and people not being understood or, or ignored by others, all kinds of stuff. And we know people in the world often try to uh, escape in, in different temporary fixes that also make things worse in the long run. There's only one hope, and we as Christians know what that hope is. It is Jesus Christ. And we must cry out to him whenever we're down. But we must listen to him, too. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, there's a deeper spiritual meaning, meaning to being poor in spirit that I want to talk about now. You know, when Jesus saw the mountain, um, Matthew tells us, and Luke's version says Jesus prayed all night on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. This is verse uh, 2 now. Then he began to teach them by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was talking about the crowds. The crowds that Jesus was ministering to were a very needy bunch. And they were seeking Jesus because they had recognized Jesus' power. He had ministered to them already in word and, and in healings. And the crowds coming to Jesus knew two things. They knew their need and they knew that they couldn't depend on anyone else but Jesus to meet their need. And they were like David and the other psalmists who, who always realized their need and came to God often to express their, their needs to, to him. And that's why I love the psalms too, because you see um, the human aspect, the human realizing their need and realizing that God is the only one to their, their need. And the Psalms minister to me so much in, in times like this because there is always hope in God in the end. Well, today we don't often encounter crowds or even individuals uh, like this who realize their need. But when we do, in scripture or in person, that should actually inspire us to be more like them, inspire us to remember to come to Jesus. Jesus loves when we realize and acknowledge our needs before him and acknowledge our needs for him. He wants us to acknowledge our dependence upon him. And he has resources available for us that we are sometimes completely unaware of. What is it to be poor in spirit? It is to realize the need within yourself that no one else in this world could ever fill. It is what those in the crowd that came to Jesus had, hopelessness, hopelessness until Jesus came along. Poor in spirit is simply realizing the vastness of your need, your need beyond your means, beyond anyone's means but God's. And that type of need brings you to despair of everything and anything on earth 
and to look beyond this earth to heaven. As we look more at the Sermon on the Mount, that, that's what I'm um, planning to do in the coming weeks, not next week because I'm at the Cambridge, but uh, after that I've uh, decided I'm going to be um, really looking at the words of Jesus um, more closely, and that's what I chose to go over. As we look at the Sermon on the Mount in the coming weeks, we'll see that Jesus begins to bring these poor people who had already despaired of everything in life because of what they lacked either in the physical or, or in physical or mental health to also recognize their spiritual poverty and recognize as well that Jesus is the only one that, th that can help them in that as well. And what Jesus will teach them in the sermon is the hopelessness of improving themselves, of improving their own standing with God by anything that they could ever do themselves. Jesus will bring them to a place of realizing that they have nothing to offer to God. Just as they had nothing to offer to society before Jesus healed them physically, no one has anything good to offer to God or anyone else except for what God through Jesus Christ gave them along the way. And realizing that, realizing that poverty within ourselves opens up the door to receiving everything from God and to truly loving him in return. You know, you can really do nothing to please God except believe in his son and love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you can only do that as far as, as you've experienced true spiritual poverty and then seen God in all his love for you despite your need, despite your destituteness. Only when you get to that place can you ever love God fully and, and do what he tells you to do from a place of holy love for him. Not for his favor, but in response to his love first. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Now what is the kingdom of heaven that belongs to the poor in spirit? It's a kingdom that's outside of this world, of course, and it's a good kingdom because a good God rules there. And those who are poor in spirit because of their own inability, uh, because of their corrupted flesh and because of this world, can, can look to that kingdom, God's kingdom, in confident hope. Jesus doesn't tell them, don't be down because your world will get better, cheer up. No, he, he tells those people who are poor in spirit to look to another place, to a kingdom that, where God is king and a kingdom that belongs to them. If we're realists, we understand that this life is not that long. This life will soon be over for us. We know it had and it continues to have some and has God's children, but we also understand that that beauty and that um, 
and love that, has, has, have, that we've experienced in the world will continue to be corrupted until Jesus comes and reigns here as king. So there's really no hope in this world outside of Jesus until he brings our world into God's kingdom, actually. The literal translation of this verse that we are looking at says, says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit because the kingdom of heaven is made up of them. Made up of them. So in that way, those who are poor in spirit are already in the kingdom of heaven. And we can rejoice in that. What's a kingdom? Is it just uh, some territory that's owned by someone who calls himself king? No. A true kingdom is a realm of a sovereign who is independent of any rule above him. The king of the kingdom is, is one who governs and protects the subjects and the property within his kingdom. And Matthew's gospel puts the identification of the kingdom on the realm, calling it the kingdom of heaven, while Luke's gospel puts the identification of, of the kingdom on the king, calling it the kingdom of God. But it's the same kingdom, of course, in both gospels. And the realm, or kingdom of heaven, is not simply a place. It's not a physical place. It is everyone and everything that the king is reigning over and protecting including you and I if we are if we belong to the king so we have to take courage in having God as our king a king who loves us now can one enter a kingdom can can one enter the kingdom of heaven without physically being in that realm Yes, I guess I answered that already. If, if the king has invited you in and you swear allegiance to the king, you are admitted to his kingdom and you become a subject of the king. You are under his authority and under his protection even while you are physically living within another realm or jurisdiction. But the jurisdiction of the realm that you are living in, of course, may oppose you and your king. And it may impose its authority over you, which may limit your king's ability to, to protect you in the same way he would in, in his own kingdom. But still, you as a person are still under the authority of your king as you still belong to his kingdom. So now I want, I want to skip down to uh, verse 10 of Matthew 5. And the reason I'm skipping down there is because of those beatitudes. They're the ones that the kingdom of heaven, uh, those are the ones that the kingdom of heaven belong to. It's obvious with some people No, I lost my place here. Um, uh, and, and not so much with others, what kingdom they identify with. Now, you know, we can think about 
um, our own country here? Um, what do we identify more with, with, with the kingdom of heaven or with Canada first? In, in the former days, there was never this, this problem really as much as there is now. When, when Canada was a dominion under God, when Canada saw God as master, the two didn't conflict with one another. So I think a lot of people wouldn't have had to, say, in World War II, even consider such a thing. Leading up to World War II, you know, the Germans in Germany had to make a decision. They had to consider, especially the Christian Germans, they had to consider who they identified with first, country or God, who they were willing to lay their lives down for. And we think and think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer and, and the choice that he made. But, but Canadians did not have to do that because Canada was a dominion under God and, and serving God and serving country were one and the same. That's no longer uh, the, the way it is now. So I, I, I wanted to jump ahead um, to verse 10. As I said, because, um, because it says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. So it's the same, uh, those who are poor in spirit and those who are persecuted for righteousness. The kingdom of heaven belongs to both of them. And when you live in a foreign realm, one that is not under God and one that is not righteous, while you, only because of the love of your heavenly king, um, serve him first, you can expect some sort of persecution at some somewhere along the line. Those who belong to the kingdom of heaven first and act righteously in obedience to the king of righteousness will get persecuted for that righteousness if it goes against what the government is standing for. They will be personal realm that is no longer under the authority of the righteous king of heaven that they are under. It's to be expected. And as our world is going the way it is, it's, we, we can expect uh, persecution. What are the subjects of the righteous king doing as they live in a realm that is no longer under the king? What are we doing as Christians when, when we live in, in this world and when we stand for things that uh, the majority of the governing, um, um, well, government uh, is against. What are we doing? We, we should be actually subver subverting uh, the kingdom in those ways. Uh, in Matthew eleven twelve, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. So we should be, whether on our knees or, or whether marching in the street, be working to bring the kingdom of God into 
our arena, into back into our country, we have to stand up and speak up about what the gospel says and what the Bible says about sin. And they who are working for their king, um, that he might take over again and forever, are going to get persecuted if we do that. So should it be any surprise that those people are persecuted? I don't think so. Anyone who is persecuted is naturally also going to be poor in spirit, but supernaturally they are also going to be blessed because as Peter wrote in 1 Peter 4.12, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happens to you but rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, so he will come back, his glory will be revealed, so that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. And that's the, the, the opposite of, uh, um, well, that's the blessing that, that Jesus talks about. It's not going to happen right away. It's going to happen when his glory is revealed. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, Peter says, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. Now that is something that will happen before Christ comes back because it's the Holy Spirit. And that's a promise uh, of his. If you are reproached for the name of Jesus Christ, you are promised that the spirit of glo the glory Spirit of glory and God will rest upon you. And that's the good news. That's also how you are blessed if you are persecuted for righteousness. And I don't care if it's being persecuted by a devil and his lies or by his human agents in this ungodly realm that we live in. With It could be from sickness and crime and, and all kinds of things that were caused by the rebellion of Satan against God, who, who we are truly, <clears throat> in God's kingdom, sub, sub, subverting that kingdom. It's not the, the, the kingdom of, of uh, say, our government that we're really against. It's really the devil's influence on, on those governors. So what we're subverting when we're going uh, against the things that are ungodly in our government is actually the enemy's kingdom. And that's why the persecution happens. It goes with the turf. And, and we will be poor in spirit while being persecuted. That's only natural until we understand how loved and blessed we are and until we feel the glory of the Spirit of God that's put on us in those, uh, those times. It's a sign that, that we belong to the kingdom of heaven and will be rewarded in that kingdom. And then we can rejoice, as Jesus said, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things about you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad because your reward is great in heaven. For they, so, for they persecuted the prophets that were before you in the same way. Now, you know, you might be wondering why, why I'm saying this. Um, I, I really haven't un, uh, really felt any personal persecution um, 
at the level um, at the level of when when I left the Anglican Church of Canada that was uh, the most persecution ever uh, felt and that was uh, by people in in the old church and um, and I remember one time, and I probably shared uh, this with you, that uh, when I, um, I don't know if it was a sermon I preached or, a, um, or an article I wrote, but I remember um, friends of mine um, who served in the church I was serving in um, avoiding me on the train coming home from downtown. And I um, and it bugged me because uh, I worked with one of these person on people on a daily basis and always got along with them. And I plopped myself right in the train seat across from them when I noticed they ignored me and asked them, why are you doing this? And they told me that they're, because their minister had, uh, had spoken against me that Sunday. And I said, really, you know, what did he say? And they told me everything that he said. And, uh, and, you know, I, I defended myself to them, told them my side of, of, of the story. And, and then I get off the train. And I got off the train to walk. Give me this verse and, and show me that his spirit was resting on me. And it was such a, a glorious time that I can't remember, you know, uh, one since. So <laughs> not, I'm not saying, you know, persecution is... is is definitely you know right around the corner, but but it can be. And as I started reading um, the Beatitudes and reading those two especially, and thinking about the spiritual realm, um, it's not just you know the people; it's the, the the spiritual forces that are behind the people. And we you know tried to defend ourselves um, against these people often, and it's it has nothing to do with them except for their ears are opened to, to the enemy's um, words and the enemy um, uses them uh, against us to bring us down. And uh, it just means we have to pray, pray more and stand up for the gospel more and God is faithful to, will be faithful to, to bless us with the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you for, for your grace and in times of distress, Lord, in times of difficulty, in times of persecution, Lord, in times of, of being down, Lord, uh, spiritually, Lord, thank you that you won't uh, let us stay there, and you always give us hope in your, your gospel, you always give us hope in, in the sun coming up the next day, Lord, and, and Lord, I thank you so much for the encouragers that I have uh, in this community too, that you have, have given me to stand, come alongside of me in, in times, people that I, I'm not afraid to express my feelings to, and uh, that who, who also share their feelings, Lord. And Lord, we know that this is what your, your family is all about, Lord, um, that you use us, Lord, um, for, for encouraging one another by your spirit, especially when we are uh, together and when we are open and honest to each other, Lord, and, and even confess our sins to one another. You, 
you are faithful, Lord, uh, to us, Lord, to forgive our sins and to heal us in those times, as your word says. Thank you for your body. Thank you for the fellowship that we have with one another and, and with you. And thank you for your word today. In Jesus' name, amen.